Hey folks, season four, episode 25 of the AppSec podcast. On this episode, we're joined by Bill Wilder, and Bill is an expert in all things cloud security and Azure. Bill takes us on a journey through all the different features, functionality, and services that exist in Azure to help you run your apps more securely in the cloud. We hope you enjoy. The Application Security Podcast. Here we go. Hey, folks, welcome to this episode of the Application Security Podcast. Uh, this episode, we're talking about using Azure securely. We're joined by Bill Wilder. And Bill, we always start, the first question we ask people is, what is your security origin story? Our listeners are dying to know, how did you get into the world of security? Hey, Chris. Uh, hey, Robert. Yeah, good to be here. Uh, my security origin story, I guess I would trace back to uh, my general interest over my career, I have a developer background and I've always been interested in, uh, let's say, interesting technical challenges. And as you probably would both agree, a lot of these tend to be uh, security related. One of the interesting ones for me that was kind of formative was I joined a web startup back uh, around the year 2000 in the boom days of uh, web startups. Uh, it was called LifeFX. And we were trying to productize a technology that had come out of academia, MIT, and uh, I think the University of Auckland in New Zealand was the other. And this technology was done by a bunch of PhDs, and it was really cool. It could animate the human face, a model of it. So it would take some photos and videos, get a high-quality, uh, like three-dimensional model of, of the subject. And once this was done, the technology allowed applying an audio track to it and have it and then have the face animated so that it looked like the face was speaking what was in, in the audio track. So we were, it wasn't quite video quality, but that was the idea is that it was very close to video, at least from the shoulders up. It was pretty impressive stuff, uh, especially for the time. And we, we had some people that we like, we hired some models to make, uh, we call them stand-ins to make stand-ins and we, animated some pets and some other things. and But we realized that if we were ever going to get uh, traction, it would be really helpful if we got well-known people to get on our platform. And we realized that nobody was going to be willing to do this if they had to be worried about other people putting words in their words in their mouth and having it sound like they were you know, speaking something that they didn't really say. Of course, this is also a challenge today. Uh, the technology has moved along. But back then, uh, this was a, um, it was pretty hard to do this. And we were creating a weapon that could, you know, could potentially do that. So we had to solve this. And I took on the challenge. And to solve it, I basically went on a deep dive with Bruce Schneier's applied cryptography book. And I dug into lots of the cryptographic principles and this crypto tools like hashing and digital signatures and public-private asymmetric key pairs and and basically had a lot of fun building out a, a cryptographically secure uh, digital rights management scheme to protect these uh, assets. 
Uh, so that was my first like deep dive into something security related. Related, it was CRM and, and crypto. I'm sorry, it was uh, DRM and crypto in that case. But I was kind of hooked because uh, I do, you know, I, I like uh, like I said, interesting problems. So I I never stopped digging into uh, the field from that point. And I guess um, it, it basically these security generally has been increasingly a part of my uh, life, uh, you know, as a percent of the time I spend in my day job over the years. As I mentioned, I have a developer background, so interspersed in there has been the usual developer stuff like uh, learning about cross-site scripting and SQL injection and uh, so forth. But as I, uh, like 2011, I guess, I moved into cloud consulting. I was an early Azure adopter. And I was paying even more attention to security since I was helping companies and decision makers reason about security in the cloud. So I also kind of brought, brought a different perspective to it. And um, so anyway, that's continued to this day. As I uh, Every year, my percent of time spent on security has increased probably to the point where instead of being uh, in the past, uh, some years ago, I might have described myself as an architect who codes where maybe I'm now more of a security professional who still does some architecture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's a in very interesting path and journey and a little bit different than a lot of the other people that we uh, actually hear from as far as the way they're getting to uh, to the, to security. Um, so the topic is for, for the rest of our time with you today, Bill, is going to be using Azure securely. And so with Azure... I guess the the first high level question I'm going to ask here is: Can you even do cloud securely in this day and age? Is that even possible? Let's start at the macro level and work our way down. Right. Well, of course. I mean, I I, I believe that it can be done securely. Uh, in in a lot of ways, well, I guess if you're asking if it be done securely, you have to start with the fact that you have a lot of the the same challenges that you have when you're not in the cloud. So I mentioned earlier, SQL injection, cross-site scripting. You know, those work pretty well in the cloud, too. So you're not, um, there's no magic in going to the cloud. You know, your, your app security issues are still going to be there. But the cloud, I would say, it doesn't magically make you secure, but it gives you more tools to, to make you secure. So, for example, even with, say, cross-site scripting and SQL injection, uh, some of the tools you might have rapid access to in a cloud environment might be a web application firewall to help uh, protect or uh, alert you of attempts to exploit uh, unknown uh, cross-site scripting or SQL injection attacks. Um, and and some, of the, uh, some of the things that the cloud helps you do better than you might have had in traditional access to is, is access to a, a more... Um, complete tool set. So the, the, uh, I can, I, I know Azure best, but this would apply to most clouds. Uh, you have firewalls and, uh, built into the, all the places you would expect them, you know, ready to be used. You have, uh, encryption able to be turned on in the places you would expect it. Multi-factor authentication, uh, uh, protection of uh, keys and secrets in a hardware security module. All that kind of stuff is a contributor 
to the answer to your question, which is yes, uh, it's entirely possible to create applications in the cloud that are secure. And in a lot of ways, it's um, easier than uh, than more traditional non-cloud approaches. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's kind of walk through a number of different potential security challenges that uh, our listeners that are using cloud may be dealing with. And I know you're gonna you're gonna talk to these specifically from an Azure perspective because that's your level of expertise. And uh, so, just so our listeners are aware, we're gonna really focus heavily on Azure right now. Uh, but hopefully, you can you can apply some of these principles to other cloud platforms as well. So, the first one, uh, Bill, that I'm that I'm thinking about and I'm seeing here in, in a talk that you did before. Uh, Internet exposed remote desktop protocol or SSH endpoints. And so tell us a little bit about the risk and then tell us what we have in our cloud tool security toolbox to be able to take care of this. Sure. Just like in the on-prem world, if you have a machine in the cloud, you may want to remotely access it for management and diagnostic reasons. Uh, you, uh, normal stuff. So in the, the cloud, you have, um, you could put a firewall around it to protect it. And you could put, um, uh, you can lock it into a network segment so that you can only reach it through maybe, uh, uh, a path through your corporate networks. Let me, let me give you a, a, an example. Uh, you, you can have an entire Azure deployment that is not visible to the public internet. But is visible from, say, your uh, on-prem uh, world, or even just one laptop. Uh, you can do this through the magic of uh, VNets and uh, VPN tunnels. Uh, Azure has a couple of technologies that support this. Uh, virtual networks, of course, is a whole networking capability where you can segment your networks and so forth. You can um, burrow into a, a virtual network. Through uh, a technology, like from a laptop, through a technology called Azure uh, Point of Sight uh, networking, you can have your local, a local, say, on-prem network accessible to an Azure cloud network through uh, similar technology called Site to Site. You can even connect those up with a private circuit that you can rent that isn't routable over the uh, public internet. So you go to a third-party provider and rent a circuit that would go from, say, your data center to the Azure data center. Microsoft has a whole host of many, many uh, third parties that support this around the world. Mm -hmm. That's a technology called Azure Express Route. So there's a bunch of network-level uh, technologies that will allow you to manage these um, servers without even having to uh, expose them to the public internet. So now when we talk about this firewall here that's that's being deployed as as part of Azure in my architecture what it, what what is that actually like is it a virtual machine that is being attached to my architecture or what's actually happening under the hood for this firewall So the the host-based firewall that you're referring to uh is is running on the host it's running on windows or linux okay so by default the virtual machines that you spin up from uh, from images in the you know available in the galleries from Microsoft are um, will have these protections uh, available uh, you know ready to use. Okay. So they do a lot of uh, emphasis on focusing on uh, you know secure by default. 
Okay, and so for, so there's no. There, I'm thinking. I guess I'm I'm thinking more of the classical network architecture that I would have on prem, where I'd have a firewall at the edge. So from an Azure perspective, there's no firewall at the edge of my virtual environment. It's really it's all about using network or host based firewalls to protect all of the hosts across the board with their own host based firewall. Oh no no, uh, th- I'm glad you brought that up, Chris. It's just defense in depth. So that's one layer. You can okay. certainly put a, a gateway there. Uh, you know, Azure has um, uh, multiple uh, technologies for fronting these, but we'll we'll call it uh, you know there's a general gateway technology that can also have a like a mod security style host uh, hosted uh, firewall on that other tier of the network uh, fronting fronting these machines. So that could protect many machines that each individual machine. Um, can have its uh, host-based firewall as well. Okay, and so now when we're talking about those gateways, is, is that a, a virtual machine that's running separate from my? Is is it just another virtual machine that gets spun up, or what is that? I guess we, I'm trying to get to the essence of what is that that gateway that that exists in my virtual environment that Microsoft's providing to me through Azure. Yeah, it, it's uh, it may well be a virtual machine, but the point, but I don't know for sure because it's an abstraction that Microsoft manages. Like okay. many things in the cloud, uh, the the like you don't know or and shouldn't care how Microsoft deploys them. Yeah, uh, because they they uh, own and operate, and their ops team handles it. You yeah. get to do some configuration and uh, you know so forth. You know which uh, holes to punch in it, you know which ports to let in and what IPs to let in and out that kind of thing. And, but and you can the test it, of the, right? I mean, you can yes. you can test it to verify that the you know that, that they're providing it in such a way. But I guess I, I guess the takeaway I'm getting from you here is it doesn't really matter because they're providing it as a service. It doesn't matter how they're delivering it as long as it works, which it does. <laughs> yes. Uh, in summary, I would agree with that. Okay, let's move on to the next one here, where you were talking about uh, virtual machines missing security patches. So I think everybody, almost all of our listeners, have heard us talk about security patches a lot of times from the third-party software perspective. But what does Azure do for us as far as automatic updates and container-based stuff, and and kind of getting out of that patching patch grind that everybody seems to be in? There's been a trend in the last you know, few years of moving towards um, one of the, one of the trends that you hear a buzzword is uh, serverless computing. Yep. And Azure has a version of that called uh, Azure Functions, and others as well. But the probably the most prominent is Azure Functions. Uh, La- Amazon has Lambdas. Uh, Google has um, also something called Functions, I believe. And I bring that up because. The abstraction is so high that all you're handing them is some code snippets, so uh, some modules that maybe some classes that are compiled or some Python code or some JavaScript code, and you don't know about the machine. So when you go to the full serverless extreme, there is no machine that you even get to manage. Okay. You may need to manage your... Um, your library path, your, you know, if you're using a, an outdated Python library, I, I don't know that um, Microsoft will completely protect you from that uh, because you're deploying that library. But if you're talking about the operating system itself, then the um, 
the then Microsoft is you know doing the patches. The, they're doing the Linux patches and the Windows patches, and the uh, the SQL database patches and the firewall patches and and all that. So they're they're handling that. Uh, and then as you go down the abstraction, uh, as you uh, decrease your abstraction from serverless to platform as a service to infrastructure as a service, you have more responsibility for patching. Okay. Uh, with, um, uh, for example, with with a Windows virtual machine, you can choose when you want it to be patched. And again, the defaults are pretty, uh, you know, pretty secure by default. Where the out of the box, it will automatically run uh, Windows update for you at you know a reasonable cadence to to keep you up to date. Yeah, back to that whole secure by default as a great principle to apply across any technology stack. So what about um, containers? So we talked about serverless. We talked about, you know, Windows servers that are running as virtual machines. What about containers? Is there anything in the Azure universe that provides a Docker-like capability, or is that something Microsoft has just left, left out of their stack? Yeah, Microsoft is pretty all in on the container game. And in fact, they have a service called uh, AKS, the Azure Kubernetes service. So the container management or orchestration platform that they've sided with is, uh, is Kubernetes. And they have a whole stack around that. And part of their solution for uh, make, making secure images available for Kubernetes is through the Azure Container Registry. So the typical way that you would manage containers in your own world is you would have a base container that you would get from somewhere, like it might be a, a Linux-based image or it might be a Windows server-based image, and then you would layer your own, uh, uh, you would layer on top of that with maybe one that's company-specific and then for each application that you deploy, there might be a, an application layer on that. So it's a stack of container images, kind of a nesting. Mm -hmm. uh, and the, the primary one that you get from the Azure Container Registry is, you know, that you get from Microsoft, it, they'll be patching that all the time. So okay. that's a, a solid way to solve that problem. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I didn't even know that. I didn't even know Microsoft's story about containers. So that's very helpful to, to understand kind of what they're doing there. So let's keep moving down the list and let's look at the web app vulnerability risk. And so what is Azure providing for us as far as ways that we can test or, or better protect our web apps? So Microsoft provides... I mentioned some of the gateway technologies, and those can include an optional web application firewall. So that's a common tool folks use to help as a defense in depth with uh, possible undetected, like SQL injection or cross-site scripting vulnerabilities that might be in there, uh, you know, in your web application. Uh, you also can, um, you're free to, within certain boundaries, you're free to pen test and vulnerability scan your own applications. So that's, um, I mean, that is, so there's no, like, not a limitation on that. So just like you would test your application if it wasn't in the cloud, you, you still want to be able to pen test it in the cloud yep. and, you know, do your regular vulnerability scans. The limits there are that they ask you not to uh, uh, penetration test their services, yep. you know, focus on your apps and not do 
DDoS. But beyond that, um, you know, they have a pretty clear uh, set of rules there, but that's that's the gist of it. Okay, and they're so they're not providing you with any... The, do they provide scanning tools? Like if you don't have a scanning tool, say you're a startup and you want to do a DAST dynamic style scan, do they have something in their arsenal where I just click a button and I can run their scanner? Or is this something I got to do with my own outside tools? So you can attach a DAST to what used to be called uh, Visual Studio Code. Uh, um, what do I say here? Uh, for, you can... You can with their blip, blip, blip. All right, brain rewinding. <laughs> so for for a DAST tool, they do provide you the hooks to uh, to hook that into your build and deployment pipeline. Okay. What they used to call VisualStudio.com uh, has been rebranded to Azure DevOps, and that has all the hooks in it for for you to run static code analysis, dynamic code analysis, whatever you need to um, keep your it's secure. Yeah. Now, are they providing? Are they just providing tools from other vendors, like opening and allowing a different companies to offer their tool, kind of in that DevOps Azure DevOps kind of pipeline process? Or is there? Because I don't think there's a Microsoft static tool or a Microsoft DAS. I don't think there is. I don't know. Yeah, Microsoft Visual Studio has some um, uh, code quality analysis available. Okay. Uh, it's, it has some security features, but it isn't as uh, complete as um, uh, SonaCube or um, I'm trying to think of the other ones. Um, what's the one out in Waltham, Robert? I'm sorry, which data center or the? Um... No, the uh, the security tool vendor. I, I, I can't think of. Um, they're, they're the most com- one of the most common um, DAST analysis vendors uh, um, the name is escaping me um are you Ver- vericode or is that that's a Burlington? vericode vericode yeah oh Burlington. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so uh so microsoft you know that out of the box they don't, they don't have um out of the box they 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 have the hooks and they have a rich ecosystem of third parties that you can hook into okay. uh cube or uh, Vericode or uh, HP has a, has a product and so forth. Okay, and, and that's a good that's a good point though to mention that um, they they done a great job of enabling the third party ecosystem, uh, either through hooks like this or directly within the cloud itself. So if you weren't happy with say Microsoft's WAF gateway product and you were uh, at the Juniper shop or you know Cisco or something. You could, or Barracuda, you could opt to use their tools, and they're available for you right within the Azure portal itself. After the break, Bill talks about the risk of weak admin credentials and how Azure deals with this. The Application Security Podcast operates with support from Security Journey. A security belt program provides the three pillars of successful AppSec training learning, application, and experience. Visit us on the web at www.securityjourney.com to learn how you can teach and empower your developers using a new kind of security training. Bill dives back in to explaining the ways Azure deals with weak admin credentials. So first, it's worth mentioning this list comes from 
uh, Markusinovich talk from a few years ago, and I've updated his answers to account for more recent Azure, you know, advancements that weren't there maybe in 2015 when he wrote this. Okay. Uh, so, so the weak admin's credential was a, a risk uh, leading to tenant breach, and the the two uh, primary uh, mitigations listed here are the multi-factor authentication, and that's definitely at the Azure Active Directory level. Okay. So this isn't just delegating to your on-prem AD. It could. You, they could be integrated. But this is um, the, the, the data, I'm sorry, the, uh, the identity provider for all of Azure is Azure Active Directory. Okay. So if you log into an Azure portal, you're logging in with Azure Active Directory, regardless of whether it's integrated with your on-prem. If you're logging into Intune or into Office 365 or other kind of um, cloud products, the, those are all managed through the single Azure Active Directory provider. So they, they've really hyper-invested in a you know enterprise-class uh, identity uh, system. And... Um, and it and it has baked into it multi-factor authentication. Okay, uh, you can apply uh, password policies, uh, you know, complexity and password rolling and so forth. And they even have other features um, like privileged identity management and advanced policies. So, for example, if you're if you're logging in with legitimate credentials, but you're 10,000 miles away from where you were an hour ago and that location 10,000 miles away is a, an unusual location for you to log in from, you can also have a policy that says, I want to ensure that there's an extra challenge. So maybe even if you didn't have multi-factor authentication enabled, it could uh, cause it to challenge you in that case, or it could just decline to allow you to log in, Okay, depending on the policies you set. Yeah, so it sounds so this like is, some good stuff there. So the next one is this unrestricted SQL endpoints. And so when I think about kind of classic architectures of, you know, three-layer kind of systems, you, you know, with, with a couple of layers of firewalls in between, I don't, I don't feel like there's a lot, I don't feel like that database firewall layer is still as prevalent as it used to be. So what, what's the real advantage of the Azure SQL database firewall? Well, like any other firewall, it will allow you to limit who has network-based access to your database. Actually, that's not quite right. Let me rephrase that. Um, like other firewalls, it will allow you to whitelist who is able to access your database based on their source IP address. Okay. So if you have, uh, maybe if you have a firewall, I'm sorry, maybe if you have a, a SQL database that is, needs to be accessed by many developers, uh, you might have a pretty liberal firewall policy. Okay. And that's, you know, I think pretty common. Uh, it might even be wide open. But if you have data that you're trying to protect, you probably know the applications from which are it, it's being accessed, and you can whitelist those IP addresses. Or if you have, uh, you know, an ops team that always comes in from certain IP addresses, you can, for troubleshooting, say you can whitelist those, that kind of stuff. You you can also put it on, uh, you can also take it off the network entirely 
and make it so that it can only be accessed from, um, you know, certain, so it isn't even visible on the public internet. Okay. Now, is this an Azure SQL database firewall that actually speaks SQL? Like, is it doing layer seven kind of SQL firewalling as well? Or is this just kind of like a network based firewall that happens to sit near the SQL databases? Yeah, it's the second one. It's a layer three, layer four uh, firewall that okay. will, I think it knows protocols and, uh, you know, IP addresses. Okay, great. So um, the next one was talking about in, in the, the, the slide from your talk that you got from Mark, uh, you talked about storage key disclosure. I want to go a step further and just talk about secrets in general at this point, because there's obviously a risk in any cloud, there's a risk almost anywhere that if you have secrets, people are going to try to get them. And if you store them poorly, they're potentially going to be found. So what does Azure give us from a... I'm familiar with uh, Amazon's key management services and being able to have that kind of cloud-based secure storage of the most important secrets that my architecture needs to operate. What's the Azure answer on secret protection? So it's kind of interesting. So the, the answer used to be that Microsoft offered a hardware security module, which is the kind of... Um, industrial strength protection that a bank or a, uh, or a, um, I'm trying to think, like a, a, a certificate provider or other like highly secure operations would, would buy, and they cost many tens of thousands of dollars. And uh, Microsoft and other big cloud vendors like uh, uh, Amazon make them available for uh, almost for free. You know, they cost something, but it's a trivial amount of money. So we have access to some of the most uh, effective secret management storage systems uh, that are available commercially at, you know, ridiculously um, discounted prices. Yeah, and just, so, just, so that, just for our listeners that might not know what a hardware security module is, um, can you give us a sentence or two just to, to, to help kind of solidify with them what is, a, what is an HSM? Yes. Uh, in the context of Azure, uh, an HSM, uh, in the particular case of Azure, the HSM is something called Azure Key Vault. And Azure Key Vault has a couple of interesting properties that make it a, uh, you know, a great place to store your secrets. One is that to access secrets from uh, Azure Key Vault, one needs to authenticate to the Key Vault itself. And further, and this is one of the defining characteristics of HSMs generally, hybrid security modules generally, is you could put secrets in Azure Key Vault that you yourself can't take out. Mm -hmm. And that may seem useless, but if you consider uh, asymmetric cryptography as uh, one of your scenarios, it, it's pretty powerful. So an ops team can put uh, a certificate into Azure Key Vault, or you can ask Azure Key Vault to generate, the, generate them itself. That's also... Uh, uh, quite reasonable. And then you can ask it to decrypt something on your behalf. You never get the uh, private key out of the key vault to do the decryption outside of key vault itself, but you can ask it to decrypt a particular key. So there's no risk of losing the decryption key. Hmm. This is a, a asymmetric um, you know, cryptography scenario here. And you can further, you can ask it to uh, to sign something, digitally sign something 
for non repudiation or you know purposes where where a digital signature might be relevant. Mm-hmm. So all those can be done without ever exposing the the uh, private key itself. You don't need the private key to do encryption or validation of a signature, digital signature. So those don't need to be done within the key vault itself. Those can be done with the public key. Hey, Bill, that brings up an interesting uh, thing that I I caught on your uh, description there with the ops team doing something. I was thinking about from a developer perspective also and what the developer needs to think about in terms of architecture and building out solutions that are going to work with for example, Azure or any other cloud environment, I mean, they have to really think about these things, right, in order to, to build app, new applications that are uh, not hosted in-prem, but instead hosted in the cloud. Yeah, uh, that's a, a totally fair point. It's a it's a different flow if you're submitting a secret to be just decrypted from somewhere else than it is if you're doing it in line, because you can't programmatically grab the key and do all the encryption. So yeah, there are some cases where your system design would be a little bit different, uh, but there are many cases where it's um, it's just simpler. So okay, let me give you another example where that where it goes beyond just the use of the hardware security module, uh, you know, Azure Key Vault, where um, Azure Active Directory is also involved. So I mentioned before that you need to authenticate to Azure Key Vault in order to access um, you know, secrets within it, or to use the the secrets within it that are that that it won't give you to like exercise uh, the use of a private key to sign something or uh, to decrypt uh, a value. Uh, so it, when you're authenticating to Azure Key Vault, you're using Azure Active Directory. Azure Active Directory can also be used uh, with a higher level abstraction called managed identities. So when you're interacting with a service like Azure SQL Database, which you can sort of think of as a managed version of SQL Server, it's a little different than that, but for conversation purposes, let's say it's that. Uh, since Microsoft is managing Azure SQL Database and Microsoft is managing Azure Key Vault, and it knows you know your application is in the cloud. And, and you can, it can identify your application as a known entity because you've registered with Azure Active Directory. You can ask Microsoft to handle the authentication of your application with Azure SQL Database. So the, the bottom line there is you never see a database credential either. Hmm. So, you know, instead of saying, how do we get the database connection string? The, you know, how do we store and manage that? How do we get it into our app? Uh, you can let Microsoft worry about that, and you're not managing it at all. There isn't, um, you know, a, a username that has to flow into your application, hmm. and, and password, especially that has to flow into your application. Yeah, that's that's really neat. That's uh, that seems like a very innovative way to approach. What is what I've always thought of is perhaps one of the hardest problems in development security. How do you get the secrets in at the right time? I agree. Yeah, it, it is innovative. It is um, it is powerful. They're, they're basically trying to reduce the number of times we actually need credentials in your hand. And this is, a, like you said, innovative is a good word for it. Yeah, very cool. So um, the last one on the list, we always know, 
there's there's one thing in security that always ends up on the last last entry on any list, and that is in regards to monitoring and logging. And so, what is what is Azure given us from a security and log management perspective? It's interesting that you you phrase it as the last thing. I think this the, the slide was definitely made before the re- most recent OAuth top ten was released. And I think insufficient monitoring is also the last one on that new uh, OAuth top ten list. Yep. So uh, that's uh, the styles are aligning there. Uh, so what does Azure give you uh, in terms of uh, solving for the insufficient monitoring problem? The, there's a really long answer, so I'll, I'll touch on a few uh, points. So one is, from a strictly security point of view, Azure has... Um, let me back up for a second. Uh, Azure has dozens and dozens of services. I mentioned some of them already, like Azure Key Vault. Azure SQL Database, Azure Active Directory, and Virtual Machines, many more. Uh, they, they also have a service called Azure Security Center, which is a service that exists just to help you manage the security of other services. And Azure Security Center is a kind of a centerpiece to the security story that you may want to, uh, you know, make you uh, Azure Security Center is what you would probably make the centerpiece of your story of how you would secure your Azure deployments. Azure Security Center is growing every week, it seems, as a new feature in it. But many of the, the features, um, uh, let's see, how do I want to say this? So Azure Security Center is, you might think of it as divided into two major parts. One is there's a free part that's applied to all, all your resources, which is static analysis. So if you have a, a SQL database or a blob storage account that doesn't have transparent data encryption enabled so that data is always encrypted at rest, it will scan for that and let you know that you might want to turn that on. Mm-hmm. If you don't have the latest patches on your virtual machines, it would let you know because you might want to do something about it. If you don't have a firewall, it might tell you to, you know, it would suggest to turn on the firewall. If you do have a firewall, but it's wide open, like I mentioned, might be a common scenario for a dev environment, it would tell you that there's a firewall, but it's pretty wide open. You might want to lock it down. If you don't want to lock it down, you can tell it to ignore that particular recommendation for that particular resource. But the idea is that it's kind of like static code analysis, except on your infrastructure, where it's telling you all the things that don't seem to be configured optimally from a security point of view. Hmm. You might want to put a WAF in here. You might want to, uh, et cetera. There there are so many of them. And then there's a dynamic aspect where Microsoft's machine learning and their uh, operations and their threat intel, all that come into play, which will tell you about things that are happening, uh, uh, you know, activities that are happening that might be uh, security sensitive. Uh, this is a uh, paid service. This is Azure, Stan- Azure Security Center standard. And that would tell you something such as uh, my resources are being attacked. And this is the cloud, so this is common, uh, especially if you have some, like in development, you have some open endpoints. It will tell you that somebody tried to brute force through RDP your virtual machine. Or it would, uh, if there was suspicious activity in a 
SQL database, it would tell you maybe that there were some query patterns that looked like they could be SQL injection, uh, that they, they could be SQL injection. You might want to, uh, you know, investigate. It can tell you if, um, if you're communicating with a suspicious IP address and, you know, so if you had, say, a machine that was uh, compromised, um, I'm pretty confident that their threat intel and their uh, machine learning and such can't, are able to identify those as, um, you know, potentially breached. Uh, and um, well, sorry, I'm kind of butchering this uh, segment, but. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there. Okay. And so, um, yeah, so it sounds like Security Center is really the central point for all the things that we've been talking about here already. And I probably should ask that question first, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it was building to the uh, crescendo at the end where Security Center is the, uh, the answer to a lot of the things that we're doing here. So um, I know we've gone through a lot of different stuff here, a lot of different technologies and capabilities that Azure has. Uh, Bill, what would you recommend for our listeners who are thinking, okay, this is great. Now I have an, a, a broad understanding of the pieces that Azure has for security. Where would you recommend people go next if they want to dive deeper into learning about these different things? Microsoft, so, so to dive deeper and learn about these topics, Microsoft has tons of great educational resources. There's docs. Um, actually, I don't actually know the. I'm, I'm gonna, let me take another swing at that, and I'll 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 say I'll give you some offline. We can put them in the show notes. Is that yeah. a yeah, fair, sure. fair answer? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So Microsoft has invested a lot, and they have tons of great technology resources for you to learn about all facets of Azure, all these services. And uh, I'll share that offline, and you can include that in the in the show notes. Okay. There's you know stuff available on the Microsoft website. Uh, there are some interesting podcasts. There's uh, like an Azure Friday that uh, often has security topics, and there are conferences. Um, uh, one in the Boston area. Actually, shit. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I don't want to. I know you're probably pressed for time here. Uh, no, 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 no. Let me no. let me give us no, one no. more uh, one more swing. Yeah, please. Uh, I'll, I'll just start from the top so to make editing easier. So to dig in here more and learn more, so to dig in and learn more about the uh, about Azure and security in Azure, there are tons of free resources available from Microsoft. Uh, they're available on their website and through podcasts and so forth. I'll send some links over that you can include in the show notes. Okay. If you're a conference kind of person, uh, they're their annual conferences like Ignite have uh, great content as well, and those are typically available as downloadable videos after the conferences. That's a that's a and Microsoft it, conference. Ignite is. That's right. Okay. And if you're in the Boston area, uh, Boston Azure is the user group I've been running since 2009. We frequently host events that are focused on security in Azure. Cool. Well, Bill, thanks for uh, taking the time today and sharing all of your knowledge about all these things Azure. And uh, I know I definitely learned a lot uh, just from asking questions here. And so I know our listeners are going to take away a lot from this. So thank you for your time. And uh, we look forward to hearing more in the future about where Azure's going. 
Thanks. It was great talking to you, Chris and Robin. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Application Security Podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, please do us a favor and visit the iTunes store and give us a five-star rating. Our intro music is 8-Bit Kung Fu by Bourne and TJ, and the outro is Southern Delight by Stefan Kartenberg. You can find us on Twitter at AppSecPodcast or on the web at www.appsecpodcast.org.